Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, how's everybody doing? Um, as you may or may not know, The Athletic is slowly doing some partnering here. We're trying to help you guys get more to The Athletic. Guys, you should read over there. So, obviously, some shows have been, you know, uh, trying to help uh, The Athletic, and we appreciate that. And in kind, I get to have a great guest like Zach Jackson from The Athletic Cleveland come on here. Um, guys, I will post the show. I'll post a link to be able to get you a 40% off uh, a subscription to The Athletic. Guys, it's something you certainly want to get in your rotation over there. The guys are doing a fantastic job. I've been a huge fan for well over a year, year now for The Athletic. A lot of great guys over there. Uh, so, joining us here, obviously, from The Athletic Cleveland, uh, part of the A to the Z podcast, Mr. Jack Jackson. Jackson. Zach, how is everything going? And thanks for taking some time out here for us this evening. It's great. Like the Browns, I'm undefeated. And, um, you know, everything. <laughs> Unless it's be- your survivor pool. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, gosh, I'm not very good at math. 18 months maybe into the athletic. I think I was the third Cleveland employee and like the 18th employee overall. Now we're in 38 cities. So it's really cool. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, the deals are awesome. If you're still on the fence, download the app. I think it's five free articles a month if you download the app without subscribing. And once you see there how everything is so easy and organized and presented so well, uh, I think that'll put you over the top more than any discount will. Yes, and guys, I'll get to it in a minute, but um, one of the reasons I enjoy The Athletic so much is if you want to read an article and you don't want to spend six minutes clearing stuff and Xing out of things, I'm going to explain a little bit more maybe why The Athletic is the way to go for you. Um, Zach, first things first, because obviously, you know, obviously, as much as you cover the Cleveland Browns, you do cover the league as well. Give me your biggest takeaway from week one. I mean, obviously, you know, a a lot of crazy things. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, teasing everybody into that he can be a gunslinger for a game if he wants to. But a lot of good stuff went down this week. And look, I mean, it could have all been terrible football, and we all would have been excited regardless. Uh, But that's just the way week one is. But what would you take away this weekend the most? Uh, There's two. Uh, and, and they're at different ends. I think it's the Jets with the defense, and then everybody wants to crucify Darnold uh, for the first throw on the pick six, and he is going to throw picks. Every rookie is, but he really um, played like a seven-year vet, even though he's like 21 and three months old, and that defense looks real. And then the other end of the spectrum, a team you worry about their defense, but they went ahead and put up 40-some, is Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes is another guy. He, he's going to turn a ball over. He's got a lot to learn, but Tyreek is so good, and they have other guys around him, and he can throw it so far and keep plays alive. He is going to absolutely torture defenses uh, going forward, probably for a lot of years. And so those two, I think, of of the 16 games really jumped off the page. Uh, The Jets, the one thing that literally stood out, and look, when it got to 17-17, me here in New Jersey, I've watched the Jets my entire life, there was a slight bit of hesitation, and I was like, all right, well, let's see, you know, Matthew Stafford, you know, he's got, and it just, it, it was like, all right, it was just on, and they literally just obliterated the next 14 minutes of football. The defense is disgustingly fast. Uh, now that you have two solid cornerbacks in Claiborne and Johnson, it's amazing what they can do. I mean, you got to keep in mind, also, they didn't even play with Marcus May. Uh, there's a team, look, somehow, some way, they ever can get a pass rusher into that fold. You're gonna, you know, everyone's going to take notice of the New York Jets. And it was nice that they finally let Sam Darnold rip one and what did he do? Rift one of Robbie Anderson, one of the better deep threats in the game. So, I mean, they're just going to start to put it together as the weeks come on. Obviously, there's going to be bumps on the road. I mean, you're talking about a 21-year-old rookie quarterback, but no doubt about that. Uh, the Chiefs, the one thing you take away from that offense is Kareem Hunt was essentially a non-factor. And you look at the numbers that he put up last year, 
So now once you can start to blend in the running game a little bit more, and you know, you keep in mind, they moved on from Alex Smith, who had his greatest season of his career last year, and everybody kind of scratched their head a little bit, but everybody who was a Mahomes guy was like, all right, this is it. <laughs> and absolutely, you know, amazing showing against the LA Chargers, who a lot of teams, a lot of people think, you know, are Super Bowl contenders. You might want to halt on that one for now, but a lot of people did feel that they were Super Bowl contenders. Uh, now we head on out. Obviously, you know, Sunday in the slop, the rain, the wind in Cleveland. Um, at the end of the day, look, there are no moral victories, but Cleveland did not lose, so it's a step in the direction for everybody in that building knowing they stood toe-to-toe. You know, if you want to call it basically Rocky One, you know, where they got the draw. <laughs> they did get the draw, at the end of the day, uh, you, you got to feel inside, though, that they did let a win slip away because it was there for the taking. But how are we supposed to take this going further? I mean, are we are we going to take this as they're ready to go, or are we still got some hesitation here, Zach? I think both. Um, you know, I think in a way, they're no different than the previous two teams we discussed and the other 31 in the league, like, be really careful jumping to any conclusion after week one, right? Maybe maybe the Buffalo Bills are the exception, because they appeared the to be... Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Bills appeared to be tanking this year anyway, right? Um, so, you know, the Browns are better, and in several areas of the game, they showed it. Um, the Browns still have major questions at important positions, head coach being one of those. Uh, and frankly, I thought the game was dead over because the Browns offense was doing nothing. And anytime, and this happened with between five and six minutes left to go in the game, I thought the Browns were better off having their defense on the field than the offense, and that proved to be right. They got the stop. They forced the turnover. Uh, but anytime you have that, that's that's an issue because you can win a couple games that way, and you'll have to because these aren't the worst elements you're going to play in you know, over the next 15 weeks. But you, you have to score, and you have to trust them. So there are reasons that the pass offense stunk that you can easily make excuses for, um, including just lack of timing and reps and the line shuffle and the weather, and it could go on and on and on. So uh, I see a defense we thought was going to be good that played exceptional. I see an offense that we knew was going to take some time that has some pieces that played really crappy. Um, I'm not a huge numbers guy, but 15 of 40 and seven sacks is deplorable. And, and so from that regard, you're fortunate as hell that you didn't lose, right? But from the other regard, the roster is better. They didn't lose. And in a week, you got a chance to be 1-1-1, one, one, and one, and that's ahead of where a lot of people thought. So we'll see. Uh, well, the, and the, the one takeaway, obviously, you know, look, uh, for Tyrod, it, it was a rough day. And for me, and now I, I had some Buffalo guys on when the acquisition was first made, and, you know, they described Tyrod as, you know, he's very safe. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And they also did kind of get into the point of what that means is, He's not going to go for it a lot. So when you see that Tyrod Taylor takes seven sacks, knowing the agility he has, knowing the veteran he has, I mean, two steps to the right, throw the ball to your mother in the fourth row, whether she's calling you Tyrod or Tyrod, whatever you want to be called. It's almost inexcusable. And, it, and it's got to be tough with those numbers and taking those sacks when you've got a number one overall pick who's just kind of standing around on the sidelines and everybody kind of knows the cut of the jib that Baker Mayfield has. Are the rumblings getting any louder? Because the rumblings are going to be there when you have a number one quarterback. I mean, a number one overall pick at the quarterback position. Has any of that talk picked up a little bit? I mean, in, on barstools and in the stands <laughs> and on the radio here in Cleveland. I mean, in the building, they've been steadfast on what they're going to do. But the fact is, 
when you have a number one pick not playing and you have a coach who's one and thirty one and you keep him, every week that you don't win, it those walls close in on you. So you can block them out. You're not. And I, I liked the theory and part of the execution of the Tyrod Taylor Baker Mayfield plan. I really do. But at the core of it, keeping Baker away from the pressure of playing and of being the number one pick and of being the franchise guy and all of those things, you're not, you're not, you know, you're hiding it. You're pushing it off. You're not making it disappear. He is who he is. He's the number one pick in the draft. So, um, do I think Tyrod is the best option right now? Have I thought that? Yes. Just part of the reason I think that because they just flat out wouldn't give Baker reps with the ones and play, play with the ones and play against ones. Yes. But after this Jets game, I think all bets are off and we'll see. Uh, I think Tyrod could go out and have a big game Sunday against the Saints defense that clearly has some holes and much better conditions with the natural progress you make after week one. Uh, I also think he could continue to stink and that the offense would need him, and maybe it'd be sooner than, than they want to. Um, so, you know, there's always mixed messages with the locker room and the front office versus coaches and all of those things, and we can dissect all that stuff. We can try to dive in. We, we don't really know. What we do know is that this is Baker's team sooner rather than later. So if you feel okay about the offensive line and okay about his comfort level with everything – then you might as well play them because you're just delaying the inevitable. Well, and this is the funny thing, and, and this has actually come to me over probably like the last 24 hours, is you know the victory Bud Light fridge is a huge, huge thing. Well, the victory Bud Light fridge for the Cleveland Browns might be the young man wearing number six. So if you <laughs> all want to get to those Bud Lights, it, it could be number six. That's the combination. And if there are combinations on them, guys, if you want to try prematurely, try number six. See if it works out that way. Maybe that's the way you could probably pop those I think it's all done by wireless internet, but we'll see. Um, Uh, If anybody wants to crack it, because I'm sure there's somebody (laughs) out there capable of it, use some sort of 6OU Sooner Texas type of thing. Maybe I'll get that open. Uh, Guys, we're talking with Zach Jackson from The Athletic. Guys, like I said, one of the things I enjoy most about The Athletic is it's a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for the die-hard, of the die-hard of fans. The Athletic is a model. It's simple. There's no ads. There's no pop-ups. You don't get these stupid videos that show up in the middle of a piece as you're trying to read it. If you're sitting in the doctor's office, or in my case, you're picking up your daughter from dance and you got four minutes and you want to read something so you don't have to talk to anybody. So stuff like that. Um... Other stuff you're going to get. Um, in, instead, you know, the readers for The Athletic, you get in-depth co- coverage by journalists who know their teams inside and out. And guys, I can vouch for a lot of guys who write for The Athletic. They started off as bloggers, went to video work, became film study guys. You're getting all of this in the articles that you're going to get when you subscribe to The Athletic. Whether it's Cleveland, whether it's the NFL or any city you do, these guys, this is the depth, in-depth work they do. It's not just, you know covering uh, a news conference, uh, a press conference, or transactions of the day. You're getting legit deep coverage. Subscribers have access to local and national content with more than 600 to 700 news stories published every week across all sports. Subscribe and be part of the future of sports journalism. Guys, subscribe. Get yourself a subscription to The Athletic. I am trusting you on that one, guys. It's just that good. It's one of my favorite. It's be- probably become my favorite site. Some of it is because I have friends there, but the reason I have these friends is because I know of the work they do. Um, Zach, there was a lot of talk, and obviously the offensive line. Look, this is where we're at now, and the one thing I will give, you know, everybody wants to say, that, well, John Dorsey didn't address this in the offseason as far as the left tackle position. 
guys, if you listen to any of the draft shows and if you listen to free agency, look, there was one available left tackle in free agency. It was Nate Solder. The Giants paid him an obscene amount of money. He went there. One thing we consistently covered in the draft was this is not a great class left tackle-wise. It's tough that Joe's time was over, but this is what it is. So John Dorsey really couldn't address the position. Yes, he brought in 31 of 53 new faces to this team, but there just wasn't really an apple to pick at the left tackle position. Desmond Harrison started. There were some ups. There were some downs. The penalties, you know, at times, you know, just a little stuff that he, you know, the bullets were flying. Keep in mind his last games were at West Georgia. But the offensive line here, and this may be what kind of hurt the offense. Obviously, the running game, I know it hurt because there was no cohesion. The passing game, obviously, you know, it, it led to a couple of issues. But uh, Desmond Harrison, Zach, it seems like everybody in the building thinks a lot of this guy, and, and they think he can hopefully take this job for a couple of years. Yeah, I think there's a chance, you know, looking at his traits and his athleticism and his quick rise, because he missed the first two plus weeks of camp he didn't even pra- he didn't even get clear to practice until after the first preseason game so he was doing stuff but for a guy that was away from football for two years and then played 10 or 11 games at west georgia those are huge huge practices that that he missed so uh from that regard you look at that you think there's a possibility if the browns found a five or six year left tackle off the undrafted heap then that will look brilliant and Harrison and the Browns will live happily ever after. But by putting it out there last Sunday, they basically put a target on him and said, tee off Steelers. And the Steelers said, okay, here we come. So it wasn't just him. I mean, guys were running from both sides and up the middle on a beta to Tyrod. And uh, I think, you know, he was seeing things at certain points in that game because that's what good defenses do. I think, you know, anybody being in there, the, the, the chess match between Butler and Haley, they know each other so well. You know, it, guys like Watt. Vince Williams. I mean, and there's guys on that defense that that are Cam Hayward that are going to throw quarterbacks down, whether it's an undrafted rookie or a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame left tackle playing. So, my question is, what is and was the plan? Because all we heard was, okay, the time to experiment is in May and June, um, and you know, because when we get to work, we get to work. So you go through five days of camp, you make the most significant by far move a camp by moving Batonio out and that lasts three and a half weeks. And so you already were going to not get a single rep from your starting five of offensive linemen in the preseason because of Zeitler's injury as a unit, I mean, but then you make this change and it's pretty drastic. So, you know, I can't tell you whether Desmond Harrison, I'm sure it'll be better this week. I can't tell you where he's going to be in, in two months or two years, but it was really like, uh, this is seriously the best you can do. And if he doesn't play better immediately, then you have to consider a change again. And then then you look even dumber, which we'll see. And part of that may be what is going to keep Baker where he's at right now. Because um, you don't want to put a rookie quarterback with an undrafted left tackle and an offensive line that it's now concerned about. They're going to have to cover the holes for you know the, the holes and the warts that this you know rookie left tackle undrafted last games were at West Georgia, so things are going really really quick for him. So you wonder if that is also going to you know hold Baker back some in that respect, but it's going to affect the offense on a whole. It, it affected the running game. It, it's going to affect the passing game. Uh, I just want to get to one more thing offensively here. Um, regardless of whatever the deal was, Josh Gordon's not starting. He's on a pitch count. I mean, whatever. At the end of the day, he played 69 reps. Which hey, he should. He's here. When Josh Gordon's here, you should run him like a horse until he drops. Um, but my issue is, is Jarvis Landry gets 15 targets in the passing game. 
Josh Gordon and look, Jarvis Landry. We know everybody knows what he can do, but there's one wide receiver on this team who can, when everything's right, can play like one of the top wide receivers in the league, and that's Josh Gordon. So a 15 to three disparity in targets, that's a head scratcher, Zach. Well, when is everything right with Josh Gordon? Five years ago. So that's part of the problem right there. Fair. I mean, he got Fair. he got four practices the whole summer. Right. So he was here in the spring. I think he was here every day, at least from what we know. Um, You know, Jarvis and Tyrod built a hell of a rapport. They came in together. They were through the whole offseason program together. They had a pre-existing, you know, relationship. Spent Uh, time away from the facility together. Every day in camp. Every drill, every time there was a change, whether it was Hugh pissed off at what he saw, a built-in water break, or just time to go to the next drill, the first pass of every single situation went to Jarvis Landry. And that's how it was in the preseason, and I think that's how it's going to be. So, again, a lot went wrong for the passing game, but I just think he's not used to playing with Gordon. Uh, Gordon missed all that time. Higgins got all of those reps. Callaway got some of them. Najoku was... Really past the first week of camp, a huge part of the passing game, and then he comes out and plays like a rookie too. So a lot went wrong. Um, do I think Josh Gordon is is potentially sitting on big games? Sure. And as we see now in, in the screenshot world and the All-22 world, where there's where there times that he was open? Absolutely. But watching the game live, Jeff, like I just saw Steelers defense – that didn't respect the vertical passing game and a Browns offense that for most of the time didn't think it could get there either. So, um, you know, we'll see. Like I said, there's a lot they can fix. I think getting Duke Johnson touches opens things up down the field for you too. Uh, Early on, they were too pass happy, I thought, instead of trying to establish the run and just let the line settle in, let Tyrod settle in. So um, it's one of those things that I'm really not going to jump to conclusions for one reason, and there is – for finally, the first time in 10 years, a real NFL pass-catching core here with Gordon, with Landry, with Duke, with Njoku, with Higgins, who's greatly improved. Now, do I think there's a chance that Tyrod is who he is and this is just waiting on a, on a change and a, and a whole alteration? Sure. But I see the pieces that this could take a pretty significant leap, and, and certainly with Gordon, when he's around, when he's engaged, when he practices, when he plays, he can make plays. It's just you can't act like that he's been around and been a great player for a long time because he hasn't. He just he hasn't been. That is true, and I was I was one that you know I was towards you know the week three, and I had put that Saturday you know after week that, that Saturday. Look, he needs to be in by this Sunday because now this is game prep and these type of things. And, of course, it was the one Saturday I took off, so I get to Twitter six hours later to find out that Josh Gordon did show up. But, look, he is here now, and, look, you just hope he's right. And it will always be the big question mark. In it. But if he's there, you're talking about almost a baseball lineup type of guys at the skill position. And there's a lot of depth to it and a lot of teeth to it. Guys, we have Zach Jackson from the Athletic Cleveland here. Uh, obviously breaking down week one, some of the biggest NFL storylines, obviously from week one, obviously the Brown Steelers 21-21 tie. Uh, guys, I appreciate all the everything you do for us here at the Lockdown Network. Lockdown College has, lost, uh, has launched any school you're looking to follow. Uh, most of them are up. If not, they are in the process of being up. So Lockdown College, go ahead, uh, search for them, download, uh, get on, uh, you know, subscribe to your favorite podcast, your favorite college team, and you know, start enjoying all of that. Zach, defensively, um, for me, and, and now the first thing, and look, yesterday the PFF grades came out, and going through them, the first thing that stuck out in my eyes is, 
you have five first or second year players scoring 78 or higher. That is a big, big number, and it just shows. Look, and you know whether you were the Sashi guy or the Dorsey guy, or you're a blend of the two. These guys were brought in by the two of them. But you have five first, second year players really showing out well on this defense with Peppers and you know Garrett, Ogunjobi, Ward, Avery. There's a lot more teeth to this defense last year, and that was one of the issues we saw last year. You know, Ogba going down, Jamie Collins going down, you know, the time Miles Garrett missed. But now there's a lot more depth here and a lot more teeth to this defense. Yeah, I mean, last year Miles Garrett was a rookie playing at less than 100%, and this year you're seeing Miles Garrett. So even like if you take those other guys away. 84 of 84 snaps is insane. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's insane. And uh, both Miles and Hugh will shake the head of me, but they're going to have to do something about that because he's too fresh as a commodity. Uh, but, man, he is – he just – throughout the summer and, and now each Sunday, he's a treat to watch play football. Yes, uh, Denzel Ward. It's it's not going to be two picks every Sunday. It's not going to be perfect football, but he is a gifted kid. He is a confident kid, uh, and and he will make a lot of plays. And ninety five, he and ninety five will feed off each other and help one another going forward. Uh, I think they found a great role for Avery. It'll probably be increased now because uh, Agba's going to mi- miss at least a couple of games, and because I think Avery has earned it, especially with that that huge play in overtime. Um, you know, it's hard to be a fifth-round rookie and come in and play behind, uh, you know, this, this, the experience level and the talent level that he's playing behind. So I think it's great that they find a specific role and kind of allow him to get his feet wet and feed him more and more. Um, you know, the defensive tackle, they like the young guys. But they didn't like them that much as we saw. They, they sent Caleb Brantley out. Uh, they, they claimed a guy who they didn't play. They traded for another guy who only played two snaps. So that's a big, big concern here. As you're looking at, you're probably going to have to defend 75 snaps against the Saints, right? And you don't want Garrett to have to play all 75 of those, but you just lost your second best defensive lineman. And Ogunjobi played, you know, 85% or something of the snaps. And that's brutal, too, for a guy his size. Now, he, he's freakishly athletic for a guy his size. But that's brutal, too. So you're going to need those other guys to step up. You're going to need Miles Garrett to be Miles Garrett. And I think the one thing they have working for him is the defense. Offenses are going to change what they're doing for Miles Garrett, and they're going to locate him every time. So it's going to give other guys a chance to have to get singled up, to get get there on blitzes. And a guy like Avery comes to mind as a guy that's already shown he can do it. So that's really promising. Uh, 100%. Um, now, the secondary, look, we know where we are at with the safety position. We know where we're at with the cornerback one position with Denzel Ward. Are we sure about the rest of this pecking order here? Because late in the game, it seemed they were taking Breen Body Calhoun. He was going to free safety because he kind of was getting torched a little bit. Demarius Randall, obviously, he can do both as well. He was taking some slot reps. Are we sure about the rest of the pecking order in this secondary? It's been pretty. It's been pretty consistent. So even if EJ Gaines gets cleared, you know he didn't play much at all with the ones. It, it's been Body Calhoun uh, as the top slot corner for a while and really the only change was the first after the first week of camp Mitchell with the ones instead of Kerry and, and so the only time Kerry really has played with the ones since early August is that preseason game that they that they held Randall out and and those you know kind of practice days around it so uh body Calhoun gives you a lot of versatility he can, he can play either or can really play anywhere um through his career Kerry's been more of an inside guy and Gaines has been more of an outside guy although they've played it all so 
Yeah, are, are we pretty sure right now? Sure. I think the changes come in specific matchups and, and how you line people up, how you have to play guys. Because Peppers and Kindred are both still playing. Um, there were a, a, at least one snap I can remember where they put Peppers deep and moved Randall up for a certain situation. So I think you play the Saints differently than you'll play the Jets, and then we'll see what happens from there. But right now, as far as the top six guys being Peppers, Kindred, Randall, Body Calhoun, Mitchell, and Ward, yeah, that's that's pretty clear that they've been the top six guys. Okay, now we're, we're moving on to New Orleans, and here's the worst thing that's probably could have happened to Cleveland is that Tampa went in there and hung <laughs> a bunch on them. So now you got an aggravated Saints team, and, and we were, you know, obviously the defense Sunday, that was probably the strong point. Um, but, you know, Pittsburgh, as good as they are, the Saints offense may be better, maybe more explosive, is the offense ready for this challenge? I mean, there's going to be, obviously, and look, Tyrod, it's going to be a cleaner weather situation. Obviously, no weather whatsoever. Tyrod, if you saw anything for Fitzpatrick, you know, a lot of deep balls were there. Tyrod, when clean, can throw a deep ball. Are we nervous? Can we hang in this one, Zach? Yeah, they can. They need to score. That's for sure. Uh, you're not going to go down there and win this one 21-20, right? Uh, so, yeah, they, they can hang. Uh, Kamara presents his challenges. Thomas presents his challenges. Being on the road against Drew Brees presents its challenges. That That's for sure. But I do think the offense will be better. Um, I, I think both from a script standpoint and from an opportunities as the game goes along standpoint against a lesser defense in better conditions. And we'll see. Um, you know, I, I really thought the vibe of this team gave the Browns a chance to win one of these first two games. And Jeff, part of the reason I thought that more than the others was that both until the Browns win one, every game's their Super Bowl. And I know that's cliche, but it's true as can be right now. And both of these teams are Super Bowl bound, so where they're not really worried about what's going on in September. I mean, not Super Bowl bound, but Super Bowl or bust is what I meant to say. Of course. So, well, so I mean, you know, like maybe, everybody gets so excited about the first four weeks, but right. you, the first four weeks you're just getting through. Yeah, like last year, last year the Saints were you know didn't win at all in September. I don't think maybe the last game of September, and they come a fluke play from making the Super Bowl. So um, it, it's different mentality there. So we'll see. You know, I, I think the Browns will play better offensively. They will lay it on the line. It's a tough matchup. You know, to me, bigger picture is this: um, even if Tyrod plays better in this one. And whatever the result is, close loss, win. If he comes back and lays another stinker, like we know what hangs out there, right? So this team has to win multiple games and really develop some strengths. And I think from the defense and specifically from Garrett early, we, we've seen that. But, but they're going to have to string them together. It has to start with one. And although I would be more than mildly surprised if it is this one, I don't think the Browns are going to go down there and get beat 43 to 14. I don't. I, I think I think the offense is going to play much better. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think ultimately Camaro will drive them crazy to the point that they just they can't keep up. But I do think the Browns will turn in another solid performance and they'll come home winless, uh, but not 0-2 for the game that we've really known all along um, since April when the schedule came out was going to be the one that they absolutely had to win or the shit hits the fan. <laughs> and it's actually funny the way you put the Super Bowl aspect to it, because there I was late on Sunday, you know, uh, talked to my buddy Pete Smith, we were going to do the post game, it was 21-7, and he was like, yeah, we'll, we'll get through this, we'll do it, and then all of a sudden it got close, but there I am with YouTube, 
And I'm like, all right, what version of Hallelujah am I going to have ready here to start to open this show with? <laughs> and obviously, you know, you can't start with it on a tie. But, I mean, it was it was almost there. It was almost for the taking. So, I mean, look, and, and the thing now is, is you build yourself a roster that you think can win. And then now there's actually learning how to win, which is where they're at right now. I do agree with you on Sunday. I think they're going to go down there, and they're going to put up a fight. They're not going to get their doors blown off. Because I think there's more of a man card now in this locker room. And it's, you know, we're not we're not the wimps here anymore. You know, we know we can hang. When they're not, we can win yet. That's the part we're not sure of. But we know we're not going to get our doors blown out week in, week out. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, I told somebody, like, last year, 16 Sundays walking into those stadiums. Like, I was pretty damn sure the result on about 14 of them. That, that's no exaggeration. That's no hindsight 2020, right? The Jets won, though, right? That was one where we Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. We walked out pissed. Right. Um, but, but this year, like, almost, you know, until, in, until unless something goes wrong or until unless, like, that second Pittsburgh game, you know, now they got the Steelers' attention and the Steelers are off the bye. But anyway, that's six weeks from now, Jeff. What I'm trying to say is, like, talent-wise, just the NFL, the competitiveness of it, the closeness of it, how every team has good players and how you have to do the little things right to do it. The Browns are so much better equipped and better built and more mature and just more talented that each Sunday now I walk in and I don't know what's going to happen. So, again, the Saints are a touchdown plus favorite for a reason and the Saints are capable of scoring 40 points. But I, I, I would actually take the Browns plus the points this week. I really would. Plus eight or nine. Well, I mean, this is one of those scenarios where you got to go in and you got to, you know, you know, the old the Sopranos line or whatever, you know, the old guy that came back. You walk into prison and you find the biggest, baddest guy in the room and you punch him in the face real quick first. <laughs> so that's kind of what you got to do here, you know. So I mean, you know, if New Orleans wins the coin toss, most I mean, coin toss, obviously they're going to probably to defer. So you got to go out big, you got to go out hard, and you know that's just the way you got to play these games now because you got to play with a different mentality. You got to play it that you're not turtling up. To you know, only lose by fourteen. You got to give yourself a chance to win here. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, you know, last year when when you lost, especially to good teams early in the year, it was like okay, nobody expected it, right? The, the Browns need to get Miles Garrett back. They need to get this shell shocked quarterback some experience. They need to find one or two they can win. The real disappointment was, as you mentioned, in the Jets game, in getting your ass kicked by the Bengals in, in those opportunities. This year, it's like okay, they have to win. They have to win. All this stuff that could be, all of this excitement, right, and, and all this, like they have to get in the win column and go from there. And, and I think they, I think it will be sooner than later. I think they will put on a strong performance, specifically the offense, much stronger performance on Sunday. I just look at Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees and that environment um, and wonder if they can score enough and get enough stops against that team to actually win. But I'm expecting a really competitive football game. And then I'm expecting, like I said, a week, a week like no other, because <laughs> here's the thing, Jeff, as bad as the Browns have been, right. And for, for so long and so many incarnations and everybody's got a side and it's all negative. If I could go on and on and on, let me, let me catch myself before I get a mile off the track here. Like when's the last game that they really needed to win? Cause they haven't played for shit for years. Right. So like, when's the last time you really said, boy, they have to have to win this one. It, I mean, you knew certain coaches were getting fired. You knew certain quarterbacks weren't lasting. You knew certain things were going on. So now that the product 
is much better as a raw version and has this potential to be a lot better and get you back into the living, breathing NFL. Like, there's some games coming up you have to win, and you got to get the first one to set the other ones up. At 100%. I mean, it's there. And, like, some of the guys, and I've gotten some feedback the last couple of days, it seems like you're being overcritical. And my thing is, is no, guys, you got to set the bar higher now. The, 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 you know, whatever, whatever it was, whatever it is, you know, I've been covering this team since late September last year. All of that is in the rear view. And everyone, fans, everyone's got to put it in the rear view. Expect more from this team because the, the pieces are in place. And, you know, you brought up there's one position everyone's concerned about. It is a major concern of mine. It has been since the day I started here. I actually devoted a podcast last year, hashtag Hewless, basically, basically on it. So, I mean, that's what you're worried about. But th- there is there is not an excuse to be had anymore. You just it, There's just none. And it's time to go down and, and look. And I understand they're playing the NFC South. I understand you're playing the AFC West. Look, this is what you want. This is how you're going to measure whether or not you know this team is going to eventually rise out of the crap and start fighting for themselves. Everything's in place to do it. I agree. Um, <laughs> you know, everything will change about the coverage, the feel, the real expectations going forward once they win, once they do it. But 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 they haven't done it, and it was just a super awkward feeling both in that locker room. Um, Sunday after the game, and then Monday just kind of processing it, you know, like what really happened, or oh my gosh, that was a, to think about a strange game in the 20 year history of the Cleveland Browns, it has to be a pretty damn strange game, and it was. So, um, but to think about the stakes now as they need to get one of these next two, and then, you know, what could change for the good and bad in, in, the, in the four, five, six, seven weeks that follow, um, it, it is an exciting time. Uh, but like I said, I, I keep my foot nearer the brake pedal than the gas until I see some significant improvements in, in, in major areas. I hear you. I hear you. Um, guys, uh, I want to thank Zach Jackson from Cle- Athletic Cleveland so much for joining us here this evening. Guys, follow him. Read all his work. Uh, guys, I will get the link up here, get you a nice discount, 40% off on the Athletic. Read everything over there. Like I said, it is one of the smoothest running apps and websites there is. No distractions. You can go on, read a piece, and just get through it. You don't have to deal with any of the BS that you have to do with a lot of other sites. Um, follow the show at Locked On Browns. I uh, always keep it a follow back account because you guys are so good with me. You know, I want I want feedback. I want DMs. Anything you want to send to the Locked On Browns account, go ahead and do it. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, until uh, t- uh, we're gonna have the uh, the, the crossover episode. Uh, coming this week, we got a bunch of other stuff coming, guys. Every I'm working as hard as I can because the feedback you guys keep giving me, it, it just keeps me motivated, keeps me doing everything I can for you. We'll obviously get you the pregame next week's going to be a little interesting how we do it. A lot of stuff early in the week because we're going to have a Thursday game. We'll have a post game after the Saints game, however that turns out. But I do appreciate everything, guys. Until we talk next time, let's go Browns.